Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. An Erios production. Menopause is coming and the men have all left town. But I'm not giving up until I see that baby crown. 39 and single. Can someone help me out? He could be balding, bearded, shorter, tall, funny, smart, love basketball. Gay, straight, black, white, tiny eyes with an underbite. I just need Hey everybody, welcome back to Spermcast, the pregnancy season. I'm Molly Hockey, in case you've forgotten, I'm the host. Anyway, I ain't got no new Patreon subscribers this week, but that's okay. I think you all must have done your 2019 taxes this week just like me and realized that you spend way too much on subscriptions. You're probably spending $9.99 on Showtime every month and $14.99 on Stars, and you didn't even realize it. But look, Homeland is over. Carrie married Abu Nazir and Brody came back from the dead and he and Saul opened up an Italian restaurant. It was a really interesting choice, but now it's over, so you can cancel Showtime. And I don't know why you have a Stars subscription, but you need to cancel that too. And use that money to subscribe to media that you actually consume. Spermcast. Plus, your money will go directly to me and the show and not to a gigantic corporation. Okay, I'm done. If you're interested in joining the Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash spermcast. So you want some updates? Life has gotten absurdly busy. As I mentioned last week, I had that owl acting job, and that was Monday, and honestly, I felt like I did a really terrible job. I couldn't remember any of my owl lines, and I was acting with Muppets, with pre-recorded audio, so there was no room for error. I left feeling pretty shitty about my acting career. But there was one part that made me laugh. I was trapped in a unitard from head to toe with only a tiny hole for my face. And on top of that, I was wearing the whole owl getup. So peeing was not an option. And of course, when the director asked me to do a little jump to get out of frame, I peed the costume. Not a ton, just a little bit, but oh, that really made me laugh. And after the take, he said, okay, cool, you don't have to jump anymore. And I said, great, because I just peed the costume. We had a good laugh and all was well. So yeah, Monday night, I felt kind of bad about myself, but then Tuesday came around and I got showered with positive stuff. Two self-tape auditions that were kind of cool. I I kind of got a job in New York, an associate producer job that I'll tell you about more when I actually definitely have it, but that will keep me pretty busy until I'm eight months pregnant, which is great. I got another very little writing gig that could turn into something bigger. I had three headshot sessions that were all super easy and chill. I had good times with friends outdoors. And best of all, my dental hygienist said that I have very little plaque, which is unheard of. I never leave that office without drool dripping from my numb mouth. So I went from feeling pretty bad on Monday to feeling pretty damn good in the blink of an eye. Managing all the spinning plates on top of trying to figure out the move has been stressful, though. And honestly, 
the move is not figured out at all. All I know is that I plan on leaving on the afternoon of Tuesday the 27th. Everything else is up in the air. I don't know what kind of car or truck I'm taking. I don't know where I'm staying, but it'll come together. And then underlying all of this stuff are my thoughts and feelings and anxieties and emotions about my 20-week anatomy scan that's coming up on October 26th. It's exactly one week from today. Usually the anxiety doesn't start until two days before an ultrasound, but I'm in the thick of it already. It's been a few weeks since I heard my baby's heartbeat, and it's been about six weeks since my last ultrasound and I could see them. I haven't felt any kicking yet, and I don't feel like I have much of a bump, but I just have no idea what's going on down there, and because I know so much about what could be going on down there, I don't know, I'm just kind of anxious. Uh, And, you know, I have a history of miscarriages, so I've got that, you know? A fear of when you go in there and it's just quiet when they're looking. I just, I just, I'm nervous about that moment. And on top of all of that, I've just gone and let myself get excited about the baby and told a lot of people and made plans and accepted some hand-me-down baby stuff. And I've just become attached and that makes things even scarier. I feel like I'm starting to go back into that protection mode where I don't want anyone to talk about the pregnancy or, or comment on the bump or tell me how excited they are for me. I just, I just want to be guarded and safe again. Luckily, my scan is just one week away, and something else occurred to me this morning, which is that ultrasounds and Dopplers are new technology. We are so privileged that we get to check in on the baby at all. Back in the day, mamas didn't have any of this stuff. They were strong, and they got through it, and so I just want to channel all those mamas and be strong like them. I'm a strong woman, and I'm going to be okay. And with that, I think it's time to get Ingrid. Ingrid! Molly! Molly is 18 weeks and two days pregnant. Baby is as big as an artichoke and measures about 5.6 inches and weighs 6.7 ounces. Wow, you're gonna do the whole thing? Nope. Now I was waiting for you to stop me, and now I'm stopping. Okay, a little artichoke, cute. Inside your uterus, baby. Baby's yawning, swallowing, hiccuping, and kicking, and she may be able to feel it, but maybe not. Baby's fingerprints and toe prints are developing, and they're unique to her or him. Baby can now react to loud sounds. Whoa, whether it's an alarm or car honking, or, I don't know, fireworks in the middle of the night? Yes. Like in this neighborhood? Yes, last night. Even in utero, those noises can startle a baby. Mm -hmm. That's adorable. (laughs) The umbilical cord is getting stronger and better at delivering nutrients to the little one. Mm -hmm. While baby's eyelids are still fused shut, his or her eyeballs are darting side to side. Mm -hmm. And now, for Molly's body. Starting around 18 weeks, you should begin to sleep on your side instead of your back. They say that's because baby and uterus are getting big enough to press against large veins in the back of your abdomen, which can reduce the amount of blood going to your heart, making you feel lightheaded or lowering your blood pressure. But, okay, so I knew about this from the get-go and so I have been I started out trying to sleep on my side and I was sleeping really terribly and then 
And then my acupuncturist kept telling me, no, don't worry about that. And then I didn't believe her. <laughs> so I was still <laughs> sleeping really poorly. And then I asked my gynecologist, I mean, my OB, and she said, oh, yeah, don't worry about that. Really? So I'm trying not to stress out about that as much. But, you know, still, it's still in the back of my mind. I keep trying to sleep on my sli- slide. 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 Um, okay, so <laughs> she may have swollen feet and hands. <gasps> Check. Back aches because baby is putting a lot of pressure on her insides. Surprisingly, no back aches. Okay. Leg cramps, which can be a sign of dehydration. No leg cramps. Um, trouble sleeping. Your mind is working overtime and you're getting more and more uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And nosebleeds. Increased pressure on the veins in your nose may be making it bleed. I like how it says more than usual. More than as usual. if you're always getting nosebleeds and with a, <laughs> when you're pregnant. No, Just kidding. it's really not bleeding much anymore. <laughs> Well, thank you, Ingrid. You're welcome. This um, is this is amazing. I'm learning so much. Thanks. I mean, you're welcome. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> okay. Okay. Have Are a good you? one. Bye. And now it's time for our interview. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to meet our guest, Rebecca Sage Allen. She's a mom, an actor, a writer, but I reached out to her specifically because she's an eco-counselor. She comes to your home or office or school or, you know, because of COVID over Zoom and gently guides you without judgment on how to make better choices for the environment and the climate on a personal, local and global level. When deciding to have a baby, like actually go and try to make it happen, I had to come to terms with the idea of basically doubling my carbon footprint. And so I hope to talk to Rebecca about ways I could minimize waste while pregnant and with a baby. We were baby. Yeah, I have two kids. Phoebe is 10 and a half. Yeah. Jack is just turned eight. Yes. But they're great. A uh, little bit of a boo. How was pregnancy for you? For Were, were they different? They were pretty Different similar. men, I mean. <laughs> you know, my mom was one of those moms who loved being pregnant. Mm. And when I got pregnant, she's like, oh, it's just so, such a magical time. I didn't, I didn't love it. There was mm. nothing really wrong. I, with Phoebe, my oldest, I was sick to my stomach the whole first three months. Oh. I just wanted to be constantly and I was working in Hollywood at the time oh yeah okay no I did and you know you've spent a lot of time in Hollywood the smells of Hollywood you know your smell is so acute oh my gosh so yeah um yeah but I swear I I woke up on the first day of the second trimester and was like it's gone I feel fine oh my gosh that's good and just tons of heartburn later on yes like the bigger the baby got, the more I felt like, you know, you ever look at a picture of what your organs look like? Yeah, the they're completely smushed. Yeah. Yes. And you can feel it. Ugh. So just uncomfortable, I guess, but totally fine. I didn't have any problems, but it wasn't like this magical spiritual time. <laughs> I totally agree with Megan Grano, who you had on previously, that the actual birth, she said she would do it again and again. I feel the same exact way. Wow. I don't want to go through pregnancy again. And like her, I, I, with Phoebe, I, I think I did a musical up until like a week and a half or two weeks before she was born. So I was, I kept going, but the birth is like, um, it's, it is, it's just like, when are you ever going to experience your body is a portal between death and life. <laughs> oh my God. And you, in that moment, it's insane. Uh, yeah, I would do it over and over again. 
and a very similar uh, moment to what she said, which is that as soon as the baby comes out you and you lay eyes on them, yeah. you're like, it was you. Now I'm putting a face to this thing I already love and this thing that has lived inside my body for so long. And I've like felt in a weird sense. And now I can put my eyes on you and this is, it's you. <laughs> like I've <laughs> always known you. Oh my gosh. But I'm seeing you for the first time. Did Phoebe's happen like on its own or was she induced? No, she was really late. They kind of scared me into all sorts of things. You know, my husband is 6'5", and um, oh, yeah. right near the end of our pregnancy, they were like, something's not right. This girl's femur is like 10 times as long as it should be. And I was oh, like, yeah, no. she's probably just super long. Yeah. Started, they're like, the ratio of the width of the stomach is not commensurate with the length of the femur or whatever. And they just started freaking me out. And I showed no signs of going into labor like 10 days after she was due. And they were like, you have great oxygen, great blood, everything is going great, but we think we should induce. And I did not want to induce. I mm. really, really, really wanted it to happen naturally. So I didn't. I went home. And um, they kind of made me feel like shit for going home. Mm -hmm. Then... The next day, labor started around three o'clock. On its own? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that was like a Sunday. And Monday at like three o'clock, uh, I started getting, um, what are they called? Contractions. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Here's what I thought. This is what blew my mind is that whenever you see somebody giving birth uh, on television or whatever, it's like the contractions are getting closer. Well, mine were all over the map. Oh. It would be like three minutes apart, seven minutes apart, two minutes apart. 12 minutes apart. Huh. That went on from 3 o'clock p.m. until like 9 in the morning. I was just at home. And I was like, what the fuck? Is you that were happening? waiting for them to get to an, like a smaller interval? Yeah, yeah. Something, or at least like – Consistent. Right? Yeah. I, I, I couldn't figure it out. So we went to the hospital and this midwife pulled me aside and she was like, if you want to have this baby naturally, get out of here. <laughs> She was like, go home, labor for as long as you can at home, and then come back when you can't take it anymore. So we and left. And that was before, okay, so you, you, sorry, you said 3 to 9 a.m. That was at home, and then you went to the hospital, then you went back home? Oh, girl. Oh, yeah. oh wow. And then I was home, and then it got intense. And I was one of those people that was throwing up between contractions. <gasps> but I should say, throwing up is like my go-to emotion. <laughs> 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 like I have a really sensitive stomach. Everything makes me barf. So it's really no surprise. But it was like contraction, barf, contraction, barf. And I was just, it was just oh. rough. And at this point I hadn't slept since Sunday night and it was Tuesday oh. in the afternoon. And I was like, let's just go back. This is awful. And they took me back and I just labored forever <laughs> went on forever it felt like forever till finally I gave in and I I got an epidural uh-huh and luckily my husband Matt was so sweet he's like you can do it you know you can get that epidural and yeah. it's fine <laughs> it's really really like sweet. that's the achievement you can do it <laughs> yeah you can give in <laughs> oh my gosh and I did and it was glorious yeah so amazing <laughs> finally around like 11 30 at night they were like you can start pushing and like 20 minutes later she was out Wow. Long. She was a long baby. I don't remember how long, but she was just a long, thin baby. Is she tall now? Or, is, or was she tall as a toddler? What do they think? She was consistently on the taller side, always uh, 90th percentile. And now she's one of the tallest people in her class. 
Megan said yeah. that they, you know, they made an estimate for how tall they thought her son would be. Did they give you an estimate? No, no. they did not. Maybe they didn't want to scare me. <laughs> <laughs> she's definitely going to be taller than me. She's 10 and a half and she's just a few inches below me but right now. You're a little so. one. You're a little one. I'm, I'm five five. Oh, never mind. So <laughs> average. You're not little. You're, you're just petite one. in in your in your frame. Oh well, thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's definitely going to tower over me. Uh, how did it go after the birth? It was magical. <laughs> I definitely. Well, I, you know, actually, at Matt, I sent Matt home because he is such a giant. The uh, <laughs> um, the place where they have for the husband to sleep at the hospital is laughable, or yeah. your partner to sleep is laughable. So I just was like, go home and sleep because somebody should sleep. I had kind of crippling anxiety right after mm-hmm. I had her. I have problems with anxiety anyway, but I I held her and I just felt this crushing sense of, oh my God, this this tiny little thing's life is in my hands. And it felt too much. You know, it yeah. just felt so scary. Yeah. Especially when they're like, well, your baby is healthy and, and everything's great. Don't forget, they could just suddenly die in the middle of the night. <laughs> no reason right. why. Well, I was going to ask, was the fear about them like, you know, just suddenly dying in the middle of the night? Or was it, I need to make more money in my my life and I'm not, oh. I have to figure out how to change my life now and all that? Yeah. You know, what's interesting is when we first had our kids, we did not have any job security. Right. We had health insurance, thank goodness. But we were living in a rented apartment and didn't have, I maybe should have worried about that. But that to me didn't matter as much because I, I knew that we would love her and care for her. And, and in this city, though, <laughs> as she got a little older, it became harder because you kind of become friends with women who have had babies around the exact same time as you because the kids are the same age and you and it's really nice because then you can compare notes and have some support. But a lot of them, in you know, in this town, there's a huge wealth gap. So mm. a lot of them had a ton of money. And then I started to panic about the kind of life I was giving her versus the kind of life her friends were getting. Yeah. And would she notice? And would yeah, that bother her? And uh, yeah. And then I, and I kind of had a shitty old car. And like my friends had Volvos that were safer. And I'm like, well, that's not fair. My daughter deserves to be safe. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that was not what got me in the moment with her in the hospital and leaving the hospital. She was so tiny and so fragile and relied entirely on other humans to stay alive. And I was afraid I was going to drop her. Yeah. And I was afraid that, yeah, that she was just going to suddenly stop breathing. None of which happened. (laughs) It's a very real fear, though. It's so, it's true. They need you. Yeah. Yeah. I was more calm with my son. He he is two and a half years uh, younger (laughs) younger (laughs) than she is. And he, so, okay, so my due date with him was September 15th, which I was really excited about because that's my dad's birthday. And I was like, oh, I want to have a birthday with my dad. It'll be so sweet. And the whole pregnancy, I was like, just don't give birth on September 11th. Just don't give birth <laughs> on September 11th. And the night of September 10th, my water broke <laughs> while I was reading, while I was like tucky, tucking Phoebe into bed. Oh and by gosh. the way, water breaking is not like... A splash. I didn't know. I was like, is my water... My water, I couldn't even tell I did because it hadn't before. So I didn't know. But because, you know, I think pregnant women going around being afraid you're going to be in a Ralph's and suddenly <laughs> like pouring water is going to flood the aisles. Well, is um, it, I mean, does that, that happens too, though, doesn't it or no? May, well, may, you're right. Maybe mine was just like 
not as massive as some other people's, but it's not like dumping a bucket of water <laughs> on the floor, which is what I assume. Well, I recorded this before I recorded Rebecca Krasny's episode last week, and now we know that it can also splash. So that was like seven or eight o'clock at night, and I was like, well, damn it. I have to have this kid in four hours or 28 hours because right. I do not want to have him on September 11th. Yeah. So I called my mom because she was going to come up and take care of our daughter. And I go, and, she, and I go, oh, my, my water broke. It looks like I'm going to have this baby on September 11th. And she goes, well, never forget. <laughs> and then do you know what she did the following year? She called me on September 10th and no. wished him a happy birthday. <laughs> classic mom (laughs) so his was much faster i got to the hospital around 11 or midnight you went straight there oh because there were water broke so you you my water when that happens you have to go straight there because they need the fluid yeah Yeah. okay yeah make sure everything's cool Mm -hmm. and i just like kept the lights low and i stayed really chilled out i stayed super chill i was like i think i'm gonna be able to pull this off without Mm -hmm. an epidural and then somewhere around like four or five in the morning, they came to check on me and it felt so brutal. <laughs> like they were like, just like rammed up inside me to uh, feel what was going on. And I lost all my, my like Zen momentum. <laughs> right. And again, my sweet husband was like, if she wanted an epidural, would she have to ask for it now? Cause you know, they're like the uh, anesthesiologist has 14 you're eighth on the list or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he's like, she's like, yeah, she would need to get it now. So he's like, she wants it. And I go, ah, yeah, I do. I want it. <laughs> <laughs> so I got an epidural, but I did not, this epidural was not so intense. I, uh, it wasn't like when you um, can't move your legs or someone needs to hold up your, I, I felt things, which I think is good. I think that helps um, it, the birth progress if you're feeling something from the waist down. Mm-hmm. And I did. And um, it had worn off quite a bit when I finally had him. I had him at 9.01 on 9.11. <laughs> so the nurse came in and they write on a whiteboard like, all right, so it, it your baby was this many pounds and this many ounces. And she's like, and it is September. <gasps> oh, <laughs> <laughs> As I'm like cradling my beautiful new baby. Oh. <laughs> anyway. How tall was he? Um, was he long I don't too? Remember. He was not as long as she was. She's definitely taller. He's always been right in the mid range of everything. Cool. So the, the girl got all the height. Um, he's totally average. Wow. Height and size wise. But I experienced a euphoria after I had him oh. that. I didn't experience with her. I mean, I was like happy after she was born and it was magical, but I had that crazy euphoria that they talk about in books of like, I was like, yeah, whatever. Is that the oxytocin? (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. You didn't have Pitocin, right? No. Mm -hmm. Because I think Pitocin replaces the oxytocin. So then you don't have that. I could be, I don't know if I'm making this up or I heard it somewhere. But I feel like maybe you don't get that that love. Yeah, you might be right. That. Time for a little ding ding note. Hello. Both oxytocin and pitocin stimulate contractions during labor and get mother's milk flowing after the baby is born. Okay, cool. Birth is intense. Fortunately, our bodies help us through it by producing beta endorphins, which are 18 to 33 times more potent than morphine. 
So when our body cranks up oxytocin production in order to intensify contractions, it funnels it into two types of cells. The large cells flow into the bloodstream and the small cells flow into the brain. When oxytocin flows to the brain, a message is sent to the pituitary to increase beta endorphins as well. This is called the endorphin effect, and it's our body's way of managing pain naturally. Unfortunately, when Pitocin is administered via IV, it pretty much stays just in the bloodstream. Without oxytocin flowing to the brain, the message never gets sent to the pituitary to release beta endorphins. So the pain is fully experienced, but one of the body's most powerful coping mechanisms stays dormant. Just before a baby is born, the mama's production of oxytocin peaks. Now here's something about that moment after birth. And I should say that this is from like some natural mama website. So of course it's going to promote natural birth and not using Pitocin. But anyway, so just before a baby is born, the mama's production of oxytocin peaks, flooding her system with the quote-unquote love hormone. The love hormone remains high, very high, during the first hour after birth, which allows mama to bond with her baby. So this might explain why she felt that euphoria, why Rebecca felt that euphoria after her second birth, not using Pitocin, and why she didn't feel it the first time. That's what I was trying to say before. Either way, it's cool if you use Pitocin, do whatever's going to get that baby. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Yeah, okay, bye-bye. Yeah, whatever it was, it was super cool. But I will say this. We didn't name our kids until we had them. We had, like, names in mind, and then we waited to meet them. And we named Jack while I was kind of in that zone. And I like his name. I'm totally fine with it. But I would have said yes to anything. He could have been, like, diaper bag mustard. And I would have been, like, yes, that's the most beautiful name. He's clearly diaper bag mustard. <laughs> like, maybe, like, give it a second. Because I was like, what do we name him? Um, yeah. I'm terrible at naming anything. I don't know what – I have no idea what I'm going to do because I'm really bad at it. Now, how did you prepare for your birds? Did you prepare or not prepare or just go with the flow? Nothing. Well. Oh, she's, I don't, I'll let you talk. Sorry. (laughs) Actually, no. Well, (laughs) let me stop you there. No. So actually, this might be a great um, segue for us to talk about stuff, like eco stuff. Yes. Because I think with your first or, or if you only have one baby, like you have a, a need to feel prepared, right? You just want to prepare, be prepared for the unknown. It's all so new and unknown. And I think the way we do that is by collecting kind of, right? Like either information or knowledge or stories or research or things, right? Yes, because you feel like in one second, my life is going to go from not having a baby to having a baby, you know, in one second. And I have to be totally prepared in that one second. And that's so damn frightening that our way of preparing is to accumulate, right? Like, yeah. well, I have this and I have that and I have this and I have that. Um, so I did what everybody does. And I was like, 
well, we need to buy a million things, <laughs> you know, <laughs> every possible scenario for what this baby will and won't like, you know, we need to have the hot and the cold and the up and the down and the whatever. And then I also read a million things, but I was, I wanted to have a natural birth and then kind of did almost nothing to prepare for it. Right. Like I did class. I was so naive. I was like, it's mother nature. <laughs> like Women have been women doing have been this doing forever. This. And then cut to me barfing between contractions. <laughs> and so in that way, I just read a ton, read, read, read a ton of books, but preparing for the actual birth, just reading. I didn't do much. The second time around, I knew I had to kind of get my head space right while I was in labor. And so I did kind of work on like a meditative breathing kind of thing just to keep my nerves calm. But other than that, I didn't really do anything other than prepping your stuff. And that is a thing that I don't want to do. <laughs> I don't, mm. I mean, no, I, I love stuff, but I yeah. don't, I know it's pretty naive of me. It's probably going to sound naive, at least. I don't want to buy anything new. No, yeah. I mean, I know I think you're supposed to get a, you have to have a new car seat. Is that a thing? That is a thing, yes. But it would be amazing if I could get everything used. Yes. Yeah, okay. So especially as Americans, there's this kind of built-in consumerism. Yeah, and if you go out and shop and, and help the economy and a registry and people want to buy you stuff. And there's a very strange, we have a weird, um, there's a negative connotation to hand-me-downs or yeah. used things or free things, especially when it comes to a baby. I guess because people feel like babies should have absolutely pristine, sterile, right. <laughs> new, but that's, ridiculous. I mean, it's pretty much just a marketing ploy. There's no reason. Sterility. Like, I, I wonder about that. I mean, like people, when you have multiple kids, you give them all your hand-me-downs and that's not sterile stuff. Um, or maybe you go right. and buy some new things, but I mean, just wash it. Yeah. There are a few things the industry really gets you on, which is definitely car seats. Yeah. And the major thing is that because if they've been in a in a crash of any sort, or even a fender bender, they're supposedly not, they don't work anymore, something like that. But to me, like I got all of my, my first car seat was new, but then my second, then I passed it down between my kids. And then I got hand-me-downs for all the rest um, and breast pumps, right? Cause do those have to be but, new? Well, supposedly, but I also got mine from a friend and you just boil all the components and it's totally fine, you know, or get the whole pump, hand me down, and then just buy new tubes or, sure. or whatever. But there, but there is a really strange social thing that you have to get past where people will, wa people will want to buy you things and family members will want to give you so many things. Yeah. And I think it comes from a really sweet place of being happy and excited and not having the baby yet to show love to in person, right? Yeah. So you can't hold it or kiss it or snuggle it or play with it yet. So the only thing you can do is buy it shit yeah. <laughs> because to show that you're loving it already and thinking it about and thinking about it. And people don't know where to buy something used most of the time for a baby. 
Like there's not right. a lot of baby used baby resources. I feel like you maybe you have like that small secondhand pl- shop in your town or something like that, but there's mm-hmm. not like a universal place online that you can buy new uh, uh, lightly used things for babies. I don't think. Yeah, uh, not that I'm aware of online. I know Burbank has a store where you can get. It's called Wear It Once, Wear It Twice, and right. they have baby stuff. But a lot of um, secondhand and thrift stores have some weird liability problems with taking in baby stuff and kids' toys. It's it, so whole- weird to me because these things are used once or twice or three times and, they're, and then they, the kids outgrown them. Absolutely. Of all things that should be reused, it's baby stuff and kids' stuff. Absolutely agree. There's a lot of great, are you aware of all the Buy Nothing websites or yeah. Buy Nothing Facebook yeah. groups? I, I have one, a great one in my neighborhood, but I move into New York and I'm, I'm pretty yeah. sure they don't have that in my parents' area. Until you start it. <laughs> I guess I'll have to start one. I'm like, hey, I'm starting this to get all the baby things that I need. <laughs> for free. So for my listeners, yeah. listeners, hey, if you're on Facebook, there you might live in a neighborhood. You probably live in a neighborhood that has a buy nothing group. And the, the premise of that is, or the goal of the buy nothing group is to not spend money and to not throw things out and not not waste, right? Yeah, it's to it's to get out of that consumeristic loop we're all in. Yeah. And pass things on to other people who might be looking for things. Yeah, when you're done with something, you just post it and give it away. And yeah, um, I post the worst stuff sometimes and people actually want to use it. I know. I, it's very exciting to get rid of something that you think will end up in the trash and somebody has a use for. <laughs> it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Plus, you can get really creative with your posts. I one time posted all of, like, I, I had a story for each thing I posted about it. each one was a different ex-boyfriend. <laughs> I got a lot of laughs. That's great. Our, mine are never that way. Mine are like, don't everybody fight over these hangers. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's great. And then also, you can always... It posts that you need something because for all you know, somebody has something lying around that's the one little part of something you need to complete a set or whatever. Yes. But, you know, when I had the boy, the second kid, pretty much I was like, well, I have my boobs to feed him Mm -hmm. and clothes to put him in and a place to sleep. And that is fine. Yeah. And that was fine. That was absolutely fine. Or if you have if you need formula, then you have formula and a place to sleep and clothes to put on them. Yeah. What about bottles? Do people use reused bottles? Yeah, I have. Mm-hmm. Again, you just should boil them or yeah. sterilize them, and then they're they're good to go, especially if you're using glass or... I only use BPA. Is that bad? Oh, no, no, no. Pure BPA? Good, good, good. <laughs> no, yeah, just the pure stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's perfect. Do you like integrants? <laughs> I like to disrupt them. Oh, good, good, good. Okay, then you're you're in the right place. <laughs> so, but you're somewhat of an expert on uh, environmental toxins a little bit. Can you, t- in case my listeners don't, I know I've talked about BPA and stuff on the podcast before, but, you know, can you remind us stuff? Yeah. My forte is mostly garbage, mm-hmm. um, and I just know a little bit about uh, toxins. But the truth is, all plastics are chemicals, period. And some of the plastics are worse than other plastics and some are better than other plastics, but a plastic is a plastic is a plastic. It is a byproduct of oil. Yep. Of the oil industry. And I can't say anything good about it other than it won't break if you drop it. (laughs) (laughs) But 
they they get away with a lot because they claim to be recyclable, but uh, I'm, you might be aware that 92% of plastic has never been recycled. Yeah. And that only 8% ever gets recycled, and it probably only gets recycled once, and it never, ever biodegrades, ever. Right. Plastic doesn't. It just breaks down into smaller and smaller and smaller pieces until it's just these microplastics that are hanging out everywhere, everywhere. in the water, in the earth, in the soil, in, in the, the In air. the water we're drinking or no? Yeah? She's nodding. Um, oh, a little. Now she's thinking. I'll just keep saying what, the, what your face looks like. Yeah, where are you drinking, Molly? No. Um, <laughs> you know, most fabrics are made of plastic unless it's silk, cotton, wool, hemp. They're all, all the soft, super soft things are plastic. So when you wash your clothes or sheets or blankets, that's microplastics going right into the water system. Of course, yeah. So yeah, they're in there. Um, the I recently read something that said it was really hard to get a clean water sample, like a public water source sam- sample to to test for plastic because it's going to be kind of floating everywhere. So they can't really tell if it was in the water to begin with or if it if it just cascaded into the water from right. like a source around it. Right. So, you know, as much as possible, glass is hands down the safest thing to put anything you're going to eat, anything that you're going to eat or drink, glass. Of course, I'm the dummy who took my daughter to Disneyland for the first time with a glass bottle and then she dropped it right. from her stroller and it shattered and all these little kids are like running around shards of glass. Right. Well, so what do you but, do so, for that? What should I you bring to Disneyland? Uh, don't go to Disneyland. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't. I've never been. I've never been. I don't like crowds. No, they love it. So, you know, now I would I was just naive. I just didn't know the full product line. And honestly, in the 10 years since I've had her, it has expanded so much. It is so much better. Because now, you know, you can get a glass water bottle for yourself that has a silicone sleeve on it. Mm -hmm. So if you drop it, you're not going to break it. I was like living, (laughs) taking advice from my mom from 1975. Right. She literally was like, well, we need to pin these cloth diapers on. You don't need to do any of that anymore. I had it. I made it so hard on myself. I used like full glass shattery bottles. Right. Now just get ones with like a silicone sleeve on them or, or I am a really huge fan, huge fan of doing the best you possibly can. Yes. So if we're at home, we use glass all the time. But if you're going to Disneyland, then pack those plastic bottles sure. because why would you want to make your life harder? You don't want to be a stress case all the time just to make a point about the environment or to... Because you know it's bad. There, oh my goodness, just do be an eighty percenter. You know what I mean? Right. Like do the best you can. And we did that with diapers too. You yeah. know, like I did washables at home, and then the second we stepped foot out of the house, it was an earth friendlier disposable diaper. But it was a disposable diaper. Because yeah. I'm not gonna carry home from wherever we are. <laughs> <laughs> oh right, yeah, you got to carry those back with you. Okay. Uh, yeah, exactly. So you got to do the best you can, but. That's my knowledge of so that's my knowledge of chemicals. <laughs> okay, well, as far as diapers go, I want to uh, do cloth diapers. I tried every kind of um, like a reusable diaper situation. I did a, uh, a diaper service, mm-hmm. which was okay. Mm-hmm. They use I I think they use a lot of bleach though because um, they're trying to bleach out all the stains to pass on the diapers to the next person sure. and. If you have your own, you don't care. But also, are you going to be in a place that has a washer and dryer? Yes. yes. (laughs) She's asking me that because I have the most enormous (laughs) pile of laundry on my couch behind me in the camera. 
<laughs> it's all a blur. I can't. I went to the laundromat this morning. So then I did something called I think they were called bumpkins, which is like a, a like a, a set. Here is the total game changer if you're going to do washable diapers. They make these things that they pull off like a um, paper towel, like in a roll, sure. and you put it inside the cloth diaper. And then if your child has anything solid in the diaper, you can pick the whole thing up and it, and put it in the toilet and flush it. Oh, it's not. Okay. So it'll come apart in the toilet. That's this piece of paper-ish. Yeah. It has the consistency of like a dryer sheet. It's pretty thin. And that when I discovered those, it rocked my world because you still had to obviously wash the diaper, but it wasn't the massive undertaking <laughs> that it was having to remove everything from the diaper and put it in the toilet. You yeah. know, you just like, make, boop, pick it up, <laughs> put it in the toilet and flush it. They're, it's called cloth diaper liners and they rocked my world because then it made life so much easier. But baby wipes and stuff like that are not flushable, right? No. Uh-uh. So these are. I just want to make sure. Okay. Yeah. So also listeners, I, I feel, feel like I know a lot of people that flush their um, baby wipes and their, oh, no. or, you know, their, their adult wipes, right? That's oh, not, no. that's not a good thing, people. Guys, Am no. I wrong? We Does have nobody do that? Because I feel like I know people that do that. Oh, no. People do it all the time. Okay. It's and tampons. <laughs> no way, Jose. I did that no. for a long time. Well, I think there's a weird, like, um, I guess maybe like a shame element where you just like, especially if you're at somebody's house, what are you mm. going to do with your, you know, you don't want to put, it's like the diaper, right? <laughs> you don't want to like just put the diaper in the corner and be like, yeah. I'll take home that used tampon later. Yeah. So people flush it to get out of sight, out of mind. But it's so bad for public um, waste systems. Yes. Just Thank like you. putting oil down your garbage disposal. Never put oil down your sink. That's a that's Where a do you put your too. oil? You pour it in a jar. Okay. And then throw out the jar once it's full. Okay. And the jar, so it's okay to throw a jar out? <laughs> Well, you know, uh, yeah, like a glass jar, like the jar could be recycled, right? But yeah. you're giving up this one jar's recyclability to get rid of all your oil. Okay. Okay, cool. Sacrificing the one jar. Yeah, you're sacrificing a jar. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's really hard to begin doing this kind of, to do this stuff, but it, but once you get in the habit of, of making these smaller changes one piece at a time, it's not that daunting. But, um, but anyway, yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm like, I... That's something that I have not done yet, figured out what to do with oil. I don't usually cook with excess oil. I mean, I... Except for your deep fryer. I mean, I, yeah, I drink that stuff. <laughs> oh, okay, good. <laughs> well, I, I that's exactly the point that I like that you made is that a woman that I really like who I listen to in this industry, she's, uh, one of her things she always says is set a direction, not a goal. Mm -hmm. And if you're constantly just, I'm moving towards this, I'm moving towards it, it's so much easier than trying to get it all done all at once. And I'm going to be zero waste starting right now. Yeah. But as long as you do things at a time, especially when you have a baby, you're so overwhelmed. And I can't say this enough. Take, emotionally take care of yourself because you want to be happy for your kid. And if you are so stressed because you chose to do something like you're breastfeeding when it's incredibly painful and hard or cloth diapers when you have slept for an hour, yeah. then give a break. I mean, be kind to yourself so you can be kind to your kid. And then when things calm down, then you can, then you can make better choices instead of 
putting it all on yourself all at once. I think I have a thing where the, one of the only things that's, that I ever, that ever made me doubt whether or not I wanted to have kids was the environmental impact of having a kid. And Mm. so I feel like I should do the best I can to, to not have as much a, I mean, it's going to be a, it's going to be a huge impact no matter what, but yeah. And then if you raise your kid, which you will, because it seems important to you to make all the right choices, it's so much easier. Uh, Oh, like they say with a product, 90% of the efficiency of a product is done in the design phase. And then after that, you kind of can't go back and make it more efficient. So you can do the same with your baby. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Like as they're growing up, if they are just in this, in the the design of their life is just, we use less, we reuse, we repurpose, we compost, we recycle, we don't take more than we need. Then you're creating another little human who just has it in their bones that this is how we live. We, we conserve and we, we don't do excess and then hopefully they make the world better. Yeah. Get back to it. I did you a little disservice by not actually telling the audience anything about what you do <laughs> <laughs> before we started talking about this stuff. Can you explain a little bit about what your business is? Yeah, I um, go into, I don't go into, I don't break into, people invite <laughs> me to their houses or businesses and I do what's called a waste audit and kind of go through your uh, daily habits, purchasing habits, throwing away habits, and educate you on how you could make better choices for the environment and resources. And then I come up with a plan for you. And I give you that plan on how to reduce and reuse and repurpose and buy smarter and trash your stuff smarter as well. Mm. What's your website? RebeccaSageAllen.com. Oh, good. Okay, good. What about if somebody's not in Los Angeles? Is there some way you could work remotely or no? Well, right now, everything has to be remote. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I also had um, designed a a, a elementary school plan too, if you are looking to make your uh, schools more sustainable. So also, I have a lot of information on how to move your school, move the needle on your getting your school greener as well, and kind of an action plan for doing that. Because we were Ooh. able to do that in Burbank, we had major success. That's amazing. Yeah, we uh, started a sustainability committee and a Planeteers kid team and a group of like-minded parents. And the principal was so on board. And we restarted the school garden, and he started a sensory garden, and we reduced trash and. All that, that is yeah. so cool. Yeah. And also, uh, we started a um, eco-council for all the public schools in Burbank to come together once a month and share ideas and, and work with each other to try to move things forward. Wow. It's very cool. What a leader. Well, there's a great group of people in Burbank who really care passionately. We're lucky at our recycle center here. There's two people who run it who literally want to change the world and they share their information and they run programs and they were inspiring to me. Wow. Yeah. You also have your uh, certificate in sustainability, right? Well, I'm completing it this term. Yes. I'm completing my certificate in sustainability at UCLA this term. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Is that something that I can do or want to do, but not in LA? (laughs) Oh, interesting. Yeah. You can do it from anywhere. Like, I don't know. I don't know how to talk about things like this that are important to me because I don't feel like I know the facts. Like some people will be like, well, I'm not recycling that because it's not going to get recycled anyway. It all goes to the same place, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know the answer to that because I don't 
know, mm. what actually does happen. And I don't know. I just like, I don't know. I just like to know more, but w- tell, I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. And it's hard too, because every city is different Mm -hmm. that people, every city recycles differently, compost differently, or not at all landfills differently, you know, so they might be exactly right. I'm not going to recycle because it's not going to get recycled. So, okay, then don't buy it in the first place. If it can't be recycled, (laughs) if if it's not going to get it, buy something that you know can be or compost it, or it's tough too, because it feels like you're making a judgment on somebody. It's a really tough subject matter because it can sound like nothing but a lecture all the time. Right. Um, UC San Diego has extension has a really cool program on, um, sustainability and behavior. It's kind of like why people make the choices they do. It's also just scary and overwhelming. I mean, climate change is so scary and overwhelming that I think it's a defense mechanism to kind of shut it out because it's too much to think about. It's too overwhelming. Well, what about people who say, um, there's no reason to act on a, on a personal level because it's not going to make a difference out there. Somebody said that to me the other day and I, I said, well, I still do it because I think it's, uh, I think it's good for my, brain. And I know that I've also affected a few other people who act more responsibly. And that's got to mean something. That's such a sad statement when people say that. Mm. Like, I feel the exact opposite. I'm just one person, but one one person can change everything. Yeah. I mean, it's really crazy. If everybody suddenly together decided to litter right now, it would be a massive impact. Right. So why wouldn't the opposite be true? Yeah. You know, every choice we make, we are, we add up. We are a population of people that our combined choices have a, have a, a result and an impact. Now, in a sense, I get what they're saying because 71%, I think that's right, of pollution is caused by corporations and not by households. But take responsibility for yourself. Take responsibility for your own your own home and your own neighborhood. And I, I like thinking smaller instead of bigger. I love... Well, and then what you've done in Burbank on on a local level is very cool and helpful, I think. And those kids are all going to grow up with a little bit more of a sense of responsibility. But you were in the middle of a thought. No, yeah. But that's exactly what I mean is that when you think about the global impact, it's too much. And and when you look at the whole world, that's when you start to think, why would I matter? But then when you look at your neighborhood or your street or your local school, you really do see how you can make changes especially when other people get on board with you. And so that's why I think it's so sad when somebody says that, (laughs) that they're just denying their power as a human being. I mean, all things that humans have done are because one person started doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That's remarkable to me. I I would just meet that statement with such sympathy. (laughs) Oh, I'm so sorry for you. (laughs) Yeah. You can, you can have a massive positive impact on the world. Yeah. I have one more question for you. You mentioned registries for a millisecond back when. Do you have any idea what people do if they don't want new things, if they want to have a registry? of like, I'd like people to know what I might need, but I bet there are sites out there for that, but I don't, I don't know what they are. I'm going to look into it because that's great. It's like an Amazon wish list of gently used and hand-me-down stuff. Yeah, that's fantastic. The good thing about a registry is that people know when somebody else got it so they don't get the thing twice. But right. 
I guess what I could, I might do is like figure out my Amazon wish list and then take it off of Amazon, put it somewhere else and just like communicate with people. Absolutely. Talk to your most trusted friends who have kids and say, what are the three items you could not live without? I like that idea. The difference. Yeah. Because I can think of mine right away. And those were the things that were most important and kind of don't need anything else. And people are just going to give you so much stuff anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. I like that idea. And yeah, you look into that thing. Do the research. Do the research for me and then tell me, no, I'll do some research too. (laughs) I look as well. I love this stuff. I love looking. (gasps) Rebecca discovered two online registries that don't require you to shop at a certain store or any store at all. One of them is called babylist.com. The other one I kind of like better. It's called Encore Baby Registry. And they've got, you know, more of a focus on the environment, which I find really nice. But here's what they say. Like a standard store registry, registrants create a free gift registry, which is used by their guests to choose and record gifts. Unlike a standard store registry, fulfilling a gift on an Encore Baby registry does not require purchasing the gift at a specific retailer or even purchasing a gift at all. Guests can obtain gifts from wherever they like, such as an online retailer, consignment store, or their own closets. So basically, you just go in there, see what you want to get someone, and then find it in your closet or find it at a consignment store or find it at a local retailer and mark it off as gifted. On this registry, you can also put non-material things like meals and help painting the nursery and walking the dog. I think it's pretty cool. That one was Encore Baby Registry. And the first one was babylist.com. Okay. Now, what do you do about AC and all that stuff? Do you, do you, uh, yeah, we, we do AC. We do live small. We have a small house. We have a lovely house. It is small with a small yard. And so, um, we absolutely do use air conditioning. I could be okay without it. Matt is not having it. He's just a very, it's very hot guy. Yeah. 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 Like you said, you just have to do the best you can individually. Absolutely. Yeah. I think there's no point in torturing yourself, especially when you look around and you get so angry because you're like, your neighbor's cranking it at 68 degrees all summer. And you're like, why am I paying the price right now? Well, how do you not get angry though? How do you do that? Well, I do get angry. And then I just let go because I feel like they just don't know. They just don't know. And, and then I feel like it's my job to help people know. Yeah. And help people understand in a way that doesn't feel like I'm judging or lecturing. And maybe that's my own way of lying to myself and that maybe humans are shitty and just don't give a shit. But in my head, I like to tell myself, they just don't know. And if they knew, they would make a different choice. Yeah. Or they could, or they could think about making a different choice. <laughs> yeah. At least have all the facts and not be ignorant to what yeah. is going on. Yeah. And so why don't we want to use too much AC? Because it uses energy and that energy is coming from where? Gas or, or coal or? Well, a lot of it still comes from coal. There's, there's not a ton of clean burning energy in the United States. Yeah. And that's the thing. Your energy all comes from somewhere, right? Like even when you plug in your electric car, that's pulling from an electricity source. Right. True. Yeah. Um, But again, with educating people, like uh, our landfill in Burbank powers some houses because um, landfills give off methane and they use it to create power. I don't understand the complexity of it, but they power a handful of houses in Burbank with 
the off-gassing from the landfill. That's pretty So they're great. making that work. And it's kind of exciting. And, and it, you're always looking for an in with someone, right? Are they going to buy in on like the money level? Like, mm. do you know how much money you could save if you just didn't crank your air? Or you can get them on like the innovation level. Mm. Do you know how cool this new <laughs> invention is or <laughs> environment or So the, the apocalypse idea is not the right way to go at it? <laughs> not always, sometimes. That's what I, my brain is always straight for the apocalypse. Um, I have a question about landfills and, and methane, actually. So garbage bags, um, should people – this is just a real question. I have no idea. If people are using a regular traditional garbage bag, should they leave it open to, so that that stuff doesn't decompose in the same way? Nothing is going to decompose in a landfill, period. Oh, because right. it's just underneath everything. It's so tightly compacted – that is why, you know, if you take a head of lettuce and you put it in your backyard, in a week it will break down and decompose. If you put it in a landfill, 10 years later, that head of lettuce is still going to be there. Okay, wow. Because, you know what? Because I have been using compostable garbage bags, but now I'm realizing that's not going to Okay. That's so, yeah, not gonna so help. Then, then you have to look at the whole product life of that garbage bag, though. So for everything that happened from before you got it to the point it went into the landfill, that's better, right? Because it's a, it's a healthier earth product. Right. But once you get rid of it, LA is not composting your garbage. Right. And these products that are compostable, like these bioplastics and corn plastics, things like that, they're only compostable at a municipal composting facility. Right. Not in your so, gar- not in your compost bin. No, no. I mean, I have these two cups from Yala. Do you know that Greek place, Yala? I love that place. But they have these compostable <laughs> plastic cups, and I put them in my composter. And I'm just doing an experiment, and it's been about four and a half years, and they're still. Oh my full god! Long wow. Because <laughs> you need a high heat municipal composter to break it down. Wow. And if it goes into a landfill, nothing is being composted in a landfill. It's being trapped. And, it's, and in fact, it actually might be worse oh. because <laughs> natural products that are plant-based are the ones that are releasing the methane. Oh, the girl. The stuff are not releasing the methane. It's all the trapped organics. So... I know. It's like, it's so depressing and I'm so sorry. No, it is okay. This is such a complex topic and I wish I could just talk about it. Maybe I do a a new podcast or you do it. We do it together. (laughs) Um, And yeah, yeah. 12 years ago, I tried to write a uh, pilot about, what was it called? The Green Squad. And it was about, you know, a new topic each week and, and going into each person's home and helping them focus on that one thing that they could, maybe it was just the bathroom or I don't remember the whole, <sighs> it's just very complex. Every, yeah. every single product, every single uh, thing that we use has uh, something that we have to figure out. And, and yeah. I have it's not, really I've, I've only figured out the, I haven't figured out anything, but I've, I've, <laughs> I, I have a real problem with trash. I don't know how to, I've got to figure it out. I've got to do better with trash because I, 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 I'm not zero waste. I would like to be low waste, but, but there's things I, I need to throw yeah. out and I don't want to, I don't want to go to a specific recycling place to do it. 
So yeah. I just have a lot of shit. Right. Yeah. At one point, my husband, there was so much in our garage. He's like, you used to call it eco-friendly. I call it hoarding. Yeah. Because you just won't throw anything away or get rid of anything. Yeah. Because you're looking for a place for it to go. So it won't end up somewhere. And it is so complex. It's like the product design. It's how it got to you. It's what you do with it. It's where you it's what you do with it when you're done with it. It's what your city can do and, and what your city can't do. Very complicated. Yeah. I think that I think that what I was trying to say earlier when I brought up my little pilot um, <laughs> <laughs> was that I think like each thing needs to be dealt with on its own for like a week or a month until it's a habit and you can figure it and you can get it into your yes. system until you can move on to the next thing. And we've touched on like 30 things today. Like I wish I could give all my listeners a list of everything that we talked about. Well, I guess I could. I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't bother. Um, you're absolutely right. And I think that's the only way you can approach it without your head exploding. Yeah. That's when people are like, forget it. it why does it matter? Yeah. So, so I'm sorry this was so overwhelming today, listeners. But, but little things. Let's leave them with one thing they can do this week. Ooh. All right. Well, you know what? COVID has just taken a sledgehammer to the whole reusable industry. Yeah. Because I used to bring all my own containers to Sprouts and fill them up in the bulk section. And now I can't do that anymore. Oh, good for you. (laughs) But take a look at composting. See if it is possible to put a compost bin anywhere if you have a yard or if you live in a space that has any green space whatsoever. Can you share it with your neighbors? Mm -hmm. If you can divert your organic waste, all your food scraps to uh, a composter, that would make a massive impact because it's very vital to get the methane out of the landfill. Methane is 22 times more toxic than carbon emissions. Yeah. It's a really big deal. This is something I, I did not realize about methane and landfills. I mean, an organic matter and landfills. Um, and yeah, so I definitely, that's an important lesson I've learned today. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. A plus. Yeah. Organic matter in the landfill decomposes anaerobically, meaning without access to oxygen. This process is different from aerobic decomposition, which is how organic matter naturally decomposes. When food breaks down without oxygen, it creates greenhouse gases, primarily methane, which can escape the landfill and accumulate in the atmosphere, contributing to global warming. Now, I think I used to know all this stuff about methane and landfills, but over the years I forgot, and I just thought that composting was a good way to reduce the size of landfills. I thought that if I recycled and made as little waste as possible, and then if I used compostable garbage bags, that my garbage, which is mostly made up of food scraps, would decompose and not take up space in a landfill. But I forgot about the whole methane situation. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this knowledge, thank you, Rebecca, back to New York with me, and I'm going to make sure we hockeys start composting all of our food scraps from now on. My parents are going to hate me, but now I'll be armed with knowledge about why it's important to keep methane out of landfills. Plus, we live on a farm, so, I mean, we don't have an excuse. Here's a hot tip if you are co- composting or realize that you can. A lot of people don't like keeping their scraps on the kitchen counter because it smells or they're afraid of bugs. And my hot tip is to put a container in the freezer and put all your scraps in the freezer. And then when you put it in the composter, it will help it break down faster because it's already absorbed moisture. And then you don't have to smell it. You don't have to deal with it and it'll compost faster. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. I have to admit I haven't composted in about 10 years. Hey, that's okay. I used to have a fine worm bin, and then I went out of town for a couple weeks, and I came back, and they were all dead. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, we're we're been take some upkeep. Yeah, I know, yeah. and it was so nice. But you know what else is bad about my about most compost bins is that, well, the ones that I've found are they're all big plastic things. I know. Yeah, you can get metal ones. Yeah, the drums that you turn. You know, like yeah. a. I have a problem with rats trying to chew into all my plastic. That happened to another yeah. compost bin I had too. Yeah. But at the recycle center in Burbank, uh, one of the men there is reusing, they get these giant industrial sized tubs that hold like vinegar or whatever. They get them. Oh. Uh, like one had raisin juice. Oh, <laughs> wow. But they c- technically could be recycled, but they're really not going to be. Um, so he makes them into compost bins. Or water uh, uh, barrels. Rain right? catchers? Rain catcher barrels. Yep. <laughs> so at least that's repurposing some plastic yeah. that already exists in the world yeah. instead of starting fresh with some yeah. some new plastic. Yeah. Well, most people could probably check with their municipal something or other to, to see if they have compost bins. Is that true? Or did I make that up? No, probably, yeah. <laughs> if you go on to your department of... Uh, Department of Trash. <laughs> no, definitely check with your city and see. They'll te- they should be able to tell you on, on your city website exactly what they do and don't recycle, what they want and what they don't want. Okay. What you can and what you can't do. Burbank made this. Burbank. Um, <laughs> you love, God, this girl Burbank. loves Burbank. <laughs> really do. Do you know we got the city council to ban styrofoam last year? No, that's amazing. Um, I know. You're working uh, hard. Pretty great. Uh, they at the recycle center they created a website called Where It Goes, and you can put in anything and see if there is a place to recycle it or how to or what to do with it now that it's garbage. It's really cool. And Earth Nine One One has a similar um, website where you can just put in like my headphones died. How can uh, I? What do I? Where do I take them? Earth Nine One One. Mm-hmm. It's cool. And they will help you tell you where your garbage goes if your city doesn't take care of you. That sounds great. That sounds great. Okay, so we're looking into composting this week, everybody, and we're looking at our city trash website (laughs) to Mm -hmm. see what they recycle or don't. (laughs) <laughs> or something like that. And then and then if we're interested, we're gonna hit up Rebecca uh for some eco counseling. Oh yes. At Rebecca com. That's me. Also on Instagram? Yes, I am. I have some fun trash <laughs> trash pictures on Instagram. <laughs> oh no. The 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 name of your uh podcast is Trash Talking. Uh, there might already be one. Yeah, <laughs> I think From, you just plugged a. Um, oh no! Yeah, somebody else's podcast. But that's fine as long as people are talking about trash. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Thank Alrighty. you. I'm so excited for you. I'm Sorry, so I had you talking for so long. What a joy! I'll talk anytime. Ah, thank you. This was really fun and interesting, and I have a billion more questions. So one day I'll hire you. <laughs> oh my gosh! Just just text me. I, I um, okay. I'm here I for might you. take advantage of you a little bit. Yeah, but I'm also on like a zero waste f- Facebook page, and I'm just blown away by how much these people actually do. And I'm like, oh god, I don't do that. Oh my god, I don't do that. Oh my god, oh, yeah. I don't do that. Everybody has a limit. Oh my gosh, for <sighs> wow. sure, everybody has a limit. I mean, yeah, I decided because so much garbage comes from snacks, right? But yeah. I have two kids, so. Yeah. So I decided I was going to make my own wheat thins <laughs> and I made them and they were really easy to make and really, really good. And what? I was like, well, this is great. I'm just going to make all my own wheat thins. They got moldy in two days yeah. because they don't have any preservatives in them. Yeah. So like, what am I going to do? Make a batch of wheat thins every 40 hours? Like yeah. I don't like weed. No, you can't so, do it. 
yeah, it's everybody finds their line. Just keep pushing forward, doing more, a little more every day. Yeah, yeah. A little bit more every day. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Thank it was you. really nice seeing you. Cool lady, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. I'll see you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Well, 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 that was so fun and interesting. Thank you so much, Rebecca Sage Allen. Well, everybody, I'm so sorry I don't have the energy or the time to put together a huge resource list for you, but I will put some links in the show notes. We're talking Earth 911 to see where you can recycle certain things. I'm going to put that in the show notes. And if you're having a baby and, like me, you don't want to add more waste to the world, try going to EncoreBabyRegistry.com or BabyList.com and think about having a registry that includes secondhand stuff. And of course, if you would like help from Rebecca in your home or your business or in your local schools, hit her up for eco-counseling at RebeccaSageAllen.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thank you to all of the people who have rated and reviewed the show in the past. Listen, if you haven't rated and reviewed the show yet, you're an asshole. <laughs> that always makes me laugh when I do that. I really don't think you're an asshole, but I really would appreciate it if you... If you would go and rate and review the show. That includes you too, Rebecca Sage Allen, if you're listening. And hey, listeners, if you want to join the Patreon, you know you can at patreon.com forward slash spermcast, and you'll have access to all kinds of interesting content. And everybody, I'm still doing fertility consultations, still loving it, and I would still love to be here for you if you need an ear. So you can contact me at spermcast at gmail.com. If you want to find out my pricing and a little bit more about what we do. And in general, if you want to reach me, hit me up at spermcast at gmail.com. Leave me a voicemail at 323-741-1818. Find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at spermcast. And I think that is it. I'll let you go. I love you so much. I know I'm forgetting things. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you, Ingrid. Okay, bye, everyone. Love you. He could be bald and bearded, shorter or tall. Funny, smart, love basketball. From gay, straight, black, white. An Erios production. Powered by ACAST. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.